The toss-up will come to order for the session of October 29th, 2021. I'm today's speaker, Ananya Shridhar. Madam Speaker, I have a motion. What's your motion? I move to suspend the rules. Okay, well, drumroll, please. My vote is aye. 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 Introducing the Texas Referendum. For voters participating in the November 2nd election, the Texas legislature has referred eight constitutional amendments to the statewide ballot. Essentially, the legislature has left the addition of these amendments up to the citizens. Here's a quick breakdown of each amendment, what it means, and how we personally would vote on it. And please be aware that this is not any attempt to... uh Define how you think about anything like this. This is only our opinion, and we want you to take it with a grain of salt, because our goal is not to tell you what to think at all. And so when you hear uh, the different ideas that we might have, don't let them be dogma for you or anything. Just uh, take them as a, as a potential point of consideration, and we want you to be able to have the information to make your own decisions and make your own informed decisions as well. Because even though these are tiny little referendums, as it, as it might seem, where we don't have anybody on the ballot that's, uh, enti- that's really big or anything, it's still matters in uh, how we live our lives as Texans, and so uh, let's dive in. So our first proposition, if passed, would authorize professional sports teams to hold raffles at rodeo venues for charitable purposes. This is such a Texas amendment, you know? It really is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, rodeos and and, and gambling, you know, what else could be more Texas? For real. Yep. I'd just like to mention that as a person that's been to a rodeo, that might not be be such a bad idea because you know rodeos like they're a lot of fun you know you have your your cowboys you have everyone that's like putting on a little bit of a show for you it's a lot of fun and i think the people that end up going to rodeos they usually during halftime it's like little kids like running around chasing like the sheep or something and i think that if there was a charity aspect to it especially like if it's like a like let's say the salvation army or even just like the food pantry or something, it could really be beneficial for the community around. However, I would like to say that this is really, really, really vague. Like, it could honestly just be, like, any professional sports team at, like, some random rodeo venue. Like, imagine, like, the, the Texas, like, the Dallas Stars in, like, a rodeo venue, like, up in Fort Worth. That, I mean, I wouldn't really necessarily, like, connect those two dots right away. Yeah, going a little bit off of what Jackson said, this is a very Texas Southern almost yeehaw thing that we're seeing here. Um, although I do think it is a pretty good idea when we go to a lot of sporting events, whether it's a football game or a basketball game, we don't very often see donations being had given out to different charities and things of that matter. So I think this is actually a really good step in the right direction to increase ticket sales and also increase money that goes to charities and charitable purposes as well and you make a good point there where um there it's already in the constitution and just as a point of of uh of context here state constitutions are way more detailed than 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 the u.s constitution so you might be wondering like why, why in the world would rodeos be in in the texas constitution or raffles or anything like that it's because they're way more detailed because uh, ideally that's uh they're they're a bit more integral to uh the the daily lives of the citizens of the state so that's why it's in the ca- in in this constitution originally but also uh raffles at other events are already uh are already sort of um are already provided for in the constitution and permitted and so this is really just adding in rodeos to that and uh you know it really is kind of a texas identity thing and for that reason i voted yes for this i would also vote yes
I think I would vote yes. Wow, so all three of them decided to vote yes on our first amendment. Our second amendment is as follows. This amendment, if passed, would authorize a county to issue bonds to fund infrastructure and transportation projects in undeveloped and blighted areas. Breakdown on what this means? Essentially, poorer areas would hopefully become more developed and have better infrastructure and transportation. What do we think? Well, personally, I think this is actually a pretty good idea. I mean, infrastructure, as you guys have probably heard in this past year, has been really important with, especially in Texas, we had this little thing called Snowmageddon, where literally all the roads, all of, like, basically for me, my power was out for, like, an entire day, and I got power for, like, in one-hour increments, like, five times throughout the entire day, and it was freezing. And when I tell you freezing, I mean freezing. So, I mean, if we're trying to, like, uh, if we're going to have better infrastructure and better transportation, I'm all for it for that reason. Yeah, 100%. As someone who has a lot of family that both has lived in and was born in areas that do have a lot of economic disadvantages, I think this is a step in the right direction to partially overturn some of those challenges that those cities face, especially in, even though this is a Texas, this is part of the Texas Constitution, just think about areas that I'm, that I know very well of, like in Mississippi and Arkansas and Alabama, that do have these struggles. I think this in the Texas Constitution is very useful and could be something great for us to have. Absolutely. And so I think the main consideration that we have right here is that previously you have had to have um, bond elections only happening in the cities or uh, other municipalities that are present in a certain county. But that's actually uh, pretty problematic because you, if because cities don't comprise the entirety of a county. There is a lot of space in the majority of Texas counties that is not incorporated into a city. And so uh, that's called, those are called unincorporated territories or unincorporated areas or uh, really other, other different legal terms that apply to them. And in these cases, it's really hard to get funding to, to improve their infrastructure or anything like that, especially if when it's undeveloped and blighted and like this, um, like this provision or this question uh, insinuates, then it really applying a, a, a bond measure for that to happen allows people who are in the muni municipalities to help out territories that are not inside those muni municipalities. So it really, I think, levels the playing field where, the, where counties have uh, equal access, no matter where you are in the county, to, uh, to, the, to the benefits of improved infrastructure. So for that reason, I voted yes. I would also vote yes. And me too. I would vote yes. Okay, so another unanimous yes for amendment number two. Now, number three, this amendment amends the Texas Constitution to prohibit the state or any political subdivision from enacting a law, rule, order, or proclamation that limits religious services or organizations. I personally would say that the biggest implication of this is COVID-19, as during 2020, especially in the early stages of the pandemic, several religious organizations like churches, temples, and mosques were prohibited from meeting to prevent spreading the virus. So if this amendment is passed, the state or county cannot enact a law or a lockdown preventing religious groups from meeting, even if the pandemic does get worse in the future. All right, so to start off, I mean, this is obviously a really controversial and major issue as religion is a really big uh, identity factor for many people. Personally, for me, um, throughout this last pandemic, and taking that into account and like just meeting in person, I think a lot of groups were actually able to find ways to meet 
virtually even like over zoom and over like other forms of communication i think that um the biggest thing about religion in general it's more of a uniting force and i think that in times of tribulations like such as during the covid 19 pandemic they were people that uh, were part of these certain groups they were able to find ways to go about their business do what they needed to do and follow what they needed to follow even while uh staying at home i don't think that necessarily meeting in person or meeting in a physical sense is necessary um but I can see why people would prefer to meet in person. I mean, it's obviously a much deeper connection that they get with the people around them. Yeah, I 100% agree with what you said. And just going back to the idea of COVID, um, in the early stages of Corona, a lot of the churches around me no longer had in-person services. Um, But over time, they slowly transitioned into doing online Zoom calls or YouTube Live or Facebook Live in order to still get the congregation to attend church even if it wasn't in person um and although there is definitely a drop off from a black gospel choir just being streamed instead of being in person and really feeling the spirit um i, I know what you mean i mean i i've 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 had to uh, be like the tech guy for my church yeah and so i had to mix all the the audio and everything and it was hard to 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 get it right for for like the live stream and in person at the same time it's a lot of layers of complexity so sorry carry yeah. on um but yeah it's the complexities with it just making it work it's very difficult um but i think there always is a way to get to get it done and even if it's not perfect there is always there's always a way out or there's a better way to do things and so i do have a little bit of i still think i'd have to think about this one a little bit more while i do think there are ways that it can be done without meeting in person. I can't see how certain religious groups and organizations would feel almost uneasy doing it again. Right. Um, I actually have a question to ask everyone to build off of this. If this amendment was passed, do you guys think that any like any political groups or like uh, religious groups would try to abuse this in any way? You know, that is a really interesting question. And, you know, I might just add my personal experience to this. And, you know, what I would describe myself as um, as much as I probably would not like to quite often because this label has been applied because of the people who apply to it and being being relatively crazy. Uh, I would identify myself as sort of a white evangelical and um, probably everybody, uh, I would say a vast majority of people who would ascribe to that kind of self-identification would vote yes to this proposition. I actually voted no to it because even as a person who thinks that 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 services like this are are quite valuable i voted against it because it's very clear where it comes from and so this is kind of the answer to your question here precia that um where people are where the the origin of this amendment is very clear where um this didn't actually take place in texas at least uh, legally but it took place in places like california where uh, churches were closed uh, forcibly because of the pandemic and for health reasons and this was taken as an assault to religious liberty and i think that that is a problem when we see it in that way you know the constitution of the united states does um, establish that the free exercise of religion can't be curtailed and yet at the same time when there is such an imp- such a significant public health crisis the um exacerbating the the spread of something like COVID-19 or exacerbating anything like that can be can be dangerous when it's done just in the name of religious freedom and what I see in this amendment is uh, legislators trying to uh, 
gain more a higher degree of power and control rather than an actual desire to be in a religious community together. And, uh, you know, I think that that is a problem that has arisen in the in the case of the of the GOP recently. Um, unfortunately, that's the case. And I would much prefer that rather that 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 not be the case. But uh, religion has become so significant to the GOP that uh, you can see where the uh, the origins of amendments like these have come up from. And so I don't want it to be in the case of power and control itself. And, you know, because of that, there are a lot of interest groups that could be potentially benefit or detriment just depending on which way this goes. And so I would rather say that uh, what's in the First Amendment already is is should be clear enough uh, rather than having to say, you know, we can't do anything that might sacrifice religious freedom for a certain amount of time in the benefit of public health. I think that if if we're going to be good religious people and say, I think it's significant and appropriate for religious morality to say we should be able to f forgo our freedoms for a while and forgo the power that we have in the interest of keeping other people safe. Which is which is the golden rule that that all religions have in common to 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 treat others as we would be treated, and so that's that's one of the main reasons why I voted no because of those repercussions that you'd mentioned that could come from it. Yeah, and Prisha, also uh, my two cents on your question. I do think, like Jackson said, this is almost a bid for GOP power in that the GOP base, especially in more rural areas of Texas, is largely comprised of. Christians and a lot of these individuals were upset that lockdowns pr prohibited them from going out to church and meeting with their church groups or their Bible studies, etc. And to me, this seems more as a bid to please these individuals than it does out of the goodness of their hearts in an aim to allow religions to practice freely. Potentially. I mean, it might just be a difference in morality, but I think you make a good point. So uh, if nobody has anything else to say, I my vote is no. I think I would also vote no on this. I think I would also probably vote no for this. Okay, and moving on to the Fourth Amendment, if passed, this amendment would change the eligibility requirements for the judicial offices as follows. A justice of the Supreme Court, a judge of the Court of Criminal Appeals, a justice of a Court of Appeals, and a district judge. Jackson, would you like to let us a little let us know a little bit more about what all of this means? Sure. So basically there's a different degree of um, so at, at the moment, there is a, there's a requirement for these offices to uh, practice law or be in an accredited uh, legal institution or be barred for a total of, of 10 years. And basically, the change that's going to take place here is that instead of just being licensed in for, for 10 years, it's being licensed for 10 years in the state of Texas. That's really the only change that's happening here. And because of that, this isn't really very much of a controversial amendment. I would say that being familiar with Texas law itself is a pretty valuable tool for uh, somebody who's going to be vetted and uh, be elected to a judicial office. And for that reason, I voted aye. And with more knowledge on this um, amendment, I think this is very useful in the sense that if we did have a judge who lived in Louisiana for nine years and then moved to, let's say, Beaumont for just one year, they could begin to be part of the Texas circuits. It would be different. It's a thing of culture and it's a thing of just a community and knowing how Texas runs, how we work, how we view certain things, even if the two states are very similar politically or may have certain political identities that don't differ too much, I think this is actually beneficial in letting the community know that we want somebody who's more Texan to be a part of this than somebody who's just partially there. 
You know, um, I think you guys make really good points. I also think that there's also another side to see of this, even though, like, personally, I do think it's not that big of a change. But, like, let's say, for instance, um, like, you have a person that's running uh, for, let, uh, for this the Supreme Court of Texas, and um, let's say they have a probable opponent. Um, let's say person A, the first person, um, they have spent 10 years in Texas, and the second person, they've only spent nine. So they'd have to wait like another year for that to happen. Well, let's just take into account the fact that maybe this person that's been in Texas for quite some time has also, um, like, they've historically, like, they've grown up in Texas. They have, like, a certain type of like political ideology and even though that's not supposed to really like change away a court or a judge or like even just a court of appeals changes their uh, perception of what's going on uh, politics and personal bias always plays a role and so let's say like because of this rule there were to be a certain bias that's insinuated within our courts or within our judicial system how would that really affect what goes on in Texas and how would that affect change? I think that's an important part to take into account. But otherwise, I mean, I don't think that the uh, rule, the law just in the way it is right now would cause any big change, which uh, personally I would vote yes for it. I would equally vote for yes. So would I. Okay, and so moving on, we do have a little bit of a time crunch. So the Fifth Amendment would authorize the Texas State Commission on Judicial Conduct to accept and investigate complaints and reports against candidates running for state judicial office. So for this one, due to our time crunch, I personally don't think this is too much of a controversial amendment. So if everyone could just go ahead and say how they would vote and like maybe a quick sentence on why they would vote that way. For clarification on the nature of this bill, at the moment, uh, judicial accountability offices in the in the state of Texas can already d- investigate and discipline judges that are incumbent, and now that's expanding that privilege to um, to candidates for judges as well. And I think that that's good for citizen accountability and transparency. So I voted yes. I think this is also good for transparency, and I would vote yes. Um, yeah, I would vote yes too. Uh, along with transparency, I think this also el- eliminates any sort of major bias that there might be. Okay, and now amendment number six. This would amend the Texas Constitution to state that residents of nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, or state-supported living centers have a right to designate an essential caregiver that may not be prohibited from visiting the resident. Again, like in amendment number three, the most obvious implication that I see is COVID and any potential lockdowns that may occur in the future. If this amendment were to be passed, then this would allow individuals that need um, other caregivers that are not part of their immediate family to still go to their house or wherever they're living in order to provide them with that care. Um, this amendment is where I have a few more disagreements than with previous ones. While I do think it, it is a necessity for people who are older or who are sickly to have um, caregivers that are there, I do believe that in a situation like COVID and something that we've gone through the past two years, it is a little bit, of, it, there is a level of danger. So where if this person does need care, they could be sending their caregiver into someone's home that does potentially have COVID or any illnesses that could be worse. And if they carry this, they could then spread it to others. And this is how we start the snowball effect and we get um, cases back up again 
and we've all lived through this and we don't want to go through that again. So I think this one is where I would have more, I would be leaning more towards voting no. So I think that all the points that Donovan made were like pretty clear and I, I, I agree with them for the most part. Um, I will like to mention though, from just like understanding a different perspective on this, not that this is my perspective, but this is just a general perspective that might arise, is that nursing facilities, assisting living facilities, and any like state supported living centers, they usually are home to people that haven't had the, are towards the end of their life. And so, and um, as these people near the ends of their life, I think that's also important to understand, again, everyone's human. Everyone wants to be around their loved ones um, if as much as they can, especially during those times. Um, as someone who wasn't able to be there for a family member when they passed away, I find that somewhat straining. But again, I do understand the actual global and societal implications of um something as serious as a pandemic i understand that we're probably going to have more not pandemics but at least outbreaks of uh, certain viruses as um, global health changes as as viruses mutate which according to many health organizations will be occurring much more often in the future um and uh like with understanding that um i think that for me personally global health and the collective health might be a, a bit more important than simply my own uh, ideas or my own beliefs. So for that, I would, I think I would vote no, but I do think, I do find their uh, reason within the other perspective here. So I would actually agree. I voted no, but um, I would like to give a little bit of clarification where there is, uh, there the Constitution, this amendment would allow there to be guidelines for when and how people can visit each other. But at the same time, it says that you cannot prohibit pe these, this designated caregiver from, um, from visiting the person under any circumstance. And I also, uh, last year, lost a grandfather due, uh, due to COVID and due to complications due, uh, due to COVID, although he, and he was in a memory care facility. And, uh, you know, of course, we weren't, we weren't able to be with him at that time. And yet I, we did think that it was important that uh, people around them be protected. And I think that if the, uh, the law had remained as it was and that people uh, had not been, been able to, uh, to visit each other, then, um, then I think that really just all in all, I think life has to come before liberty. So t in order to protect these people and to protect these people that are at risk so that we can visit them without restriction and enjoy our time with them when, uh, when uh, the pandemic is over or when future pandemics are not too significant, then I think that the protections in place are, are very important. And so for that reason, I voted no, agreeing with all of y'all. And so another unanimous no for amendment number six. So amendment number seven, if passed, would amend the Texas Constitution to allow the legislature to extend a homestead tax limit for surviving spouses of disabled individuals as long as the spouse is 55 years old and resides at the home. For this one, it's I'm honestly a little bit indifferent, although I, um, I'm i leaning a little bit towards no, and that's actually how I voted, just because the uh, the homestead tax is, it goes towards school districts. And so uh, as a student myself, and uh, I am aware of the amount of funding that is required for school districts and, the, um, and uh, all of the positive things that that can affect in people's lives. Um, and so for that reason, I think that it's, you know, Texas is really averse to taxes all the time. And, you know, we reap the benefits of that a lot. Texas is coming, uh, Tesla is coming to Texas. Um, 
Apple is moving their manufacturing st- uh, plants to Texas. Bitcoin mining is coming to Texas faster than ever before, all because of the low taxes that we have. But at the same time, these low taxes are making government business harder and harder to actually go through. And, um, you know, schools are a government business, too. And I think that, that, that that's an important thing to uh, to keep public schools powerful, especially in the case that um, the, the surviving spouse is not disabled, but the other person was. I don't really think that that should be the cause to affect uh, to cause an exemption from this tax uh, just because this other person was disabled and no longer is. Um, although on this next amendment that we'll discuss, uh, there's a little bit more different. Uh, there w- it was a little bit different. But for those reasons, I think it's just not necessary that this disabled position continue. That And it was for that reason that I voted no. Yeah, I understand where you're, you're coming from, Jackson. Um, personally, I didn't know much about the homestead tax before you just explained it. But um, I find it interesting that it's specifically for the surviving spouse of disabled individuals. I think that rather than having it for a spouse, it should it like if it was to be any effective, it could be for that person who is disabled. And so uh, I think that it might be a wrongful indication of who exactly is necessary to tax. Well, we might say that the homes a homestead tax is only levied when somebody dies. So um, that okay. that really c- isn't how it would work, but I see what you mean, definitely. Oh, okay, that that clarifies some things. Um, uh, yeah, but homestead taxes, uh, as Jackson mentioned, they're for schools, and you know I think that education above um, education above uh, just simply. I mean. I I understand uh, where people would be coming from if they were to under wh- if they were to vote yes for this because obviously many disabled individuals they aren't able to provide for their family because of a lack of opportunities. However, I do think that rather than um, extending a, a tax limit, there uh, the constitution r- should rather or the Texas legislature should rather work towards making more opportunities for uh, disabled people rather th- um, as I've. As I've had experienced um, interacting with uh, some people like this uh, with disabilities, um, they rather than uh, wanting to have any sort of special circumstances, they'd rather just have circumstances where they could conduct their business the same as um, people that aren't disabled. So for those reasons, I would vote no on this. Okay, and Donovan did have another engagement he had to get to, but my own personal beliefs on this amendment... I do agree with Prisha and Jackson, and I especially agree with Prisha in that, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense that the surviving individual may not even be disabled, because yes, there is a toll that grief may take on that individual who is surviving. However, if they were not previously disabled, it's very likely that they were going out and earning money, so I don't personally understand how a homestead tax limit is really necessary there, and I would also vote no on this amendment. And moving on to the last amendment, amendment number eight, if passed, this would amend the Texas Constitution to allow the legislature to apply a homestead tax exemption for surviving spouses of members of the military to those fatally injured in the line of duty. Here, this is a lot less controversial. I think my vote was I, um, because, you know, somebody injured in the line of duty and killed, um, that, that deserves honor and that deserves respect for, for, for their families. That's been a tradition in the United States for a very long time, 
that uh, we we do have a respect for for uh, people who who uh, fell in battle, and uh, you know, in order to tax somebody who who fell in battle, uh, or tax the family of, uh, thereof, I think that that's just a little bit out of. I think that's just out of taste. I think that's just disrespectful to the the memory of these people and their contribution. And so, for that reason, I voted to uh, to not not to uh, create an exemption for that homestead tax. I think that that was the right thing to do for me. Yeah, I do agree with Jackson on this. If I were able to vote, I would also vote no on this because I do agree. I think that fighting for one's country and dying in that line of service is an like it's an incredible service to our country and these individuals should be honored so i would also vote no if i were of the age to vote um i just want to clarify something really quickly because it says here that the amendment is to allow the legislature to apply a homestead taxes exemption so by yeah. voting no are you guys saying that you wouldn't so basically, it's it's saying that it's not saying that this would immediately happen that there would be a tax exemption because the constitution doesn't say which taxes are levied, mm -hmm. but it says that the legislature can create an exemption for it, and so it's not necess it's not necessary not necessarily will happen, but because it's on the ballot and because um, to get on the ballot originally both houses of the Texas legislature have to approve that that measure by its uh, by a three-fourths majority it's very clear that if this the legislature is allowed to do that then they will and i think that that's a good thing you know that uh, people killed in the line of duty don't uh, their and their families don't have to immediately pay, pay a tax because of that and so i think just the likelihood that the, the legislature will move to effect this is a good thing all right yeah i i, I find reason in that um i do agree with jackson and anonya and i would also vote to uh move to vote no Okay, great. Well, everyone, this has been our Out of the Ordinary episode on the eight amendments that are on the ballot for the November 2nd election. If you are of the age to vote, please go out and vote in this election. If you're not, find someone who is and tell them to please vote in this election. This has been the toss-up, and we will reconvene for our next meeting on November 5th. Our clerks of research for this episode were Ananya Shridhar and Jackson Keith. This episode was edited by Jackson Keith. Thank you all for listening.